Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Patton Oswalt. I'm Meredith Salinger. We're your hosts. We are. You're hanging out with us. You joined us. Oh, this is fun. Um, Thank you for joining us. There's so many podcasts out there, mm. but you joined us and it means a lot to us. It really does. Wait, I wanted to say something about our podcast. Oh, what? The opening music is so amazing. Yeah, it's really good. And it is by my dear friend, Kobe Brown. Who wrote... Is that an original piece for that our is, podcast? That is not an original piece for our podcast. Kobe did an album and that song is on the album and I loved it. And I was like, we have to use this. And we did. And we did. And I wanted to say that the person who put the music together at the beginning mm-hmm. was super into it and he wrote something and I wanted to read what he wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me hear it. I texted this to you. Oh. So maybe you've already seen this. We'll read it. Okay. Okay, wait, before I read what he wrote, I just want to hearken oh, back. Oh, God. How, to- many, how many pairs of glasses are you going to break in <laughs> well, the course of this This is podcast? what I want to say. On our last few podcasts, I have broken my glasses because I mm-hmm. keep forgetting mm-hmm. that I'm wearing headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, also, since I turned 50 last year, my mm-hmm. eyes have gone. And so I need them to read. And so... There's this lovely lady that I love so much. Her name is Jenny Hunt. Are we just plugging No, things? we're not. We're not. Good Lord. We're not. But I have to say thank you to her because I broke my glasses so many times. And she has a company called Bunny Eyes. And I love her glasses. This is not a ad. It totally is. It's not an ad. It's just me loving her glasses and thanking her because I literally was like, I broke them again. And she's like, let me send you a pair. She's super nice. Anyway, so I'm, I'm taking off my headphones right now mm-hmm. so that I can read what I texted you. Mm. Okay. Go. What a bunch. Okay. So this was your headphones back on. Well, I let me just read it. I'll wait to put my headphones back on. This was a text from uh, the producer Mm -hmm. or the guy who did the music, and he said um, regarding our podcast, he said the show put me in such a good mood, and I tried to get that feeling, like if a listener is floating into the conversation on a nice quiet afternoon, the listeners outside, we hear wind and a local LA bird, perhaps a purple finch, and a car passes by to help the audio move as we pan into the house, a radio's on inside, a little curtain flutters, and then we hear the hosts, and then the radio crossfades into the theme. Isn't that nice? Do we have local LA birds? I thought we just had like jaded seagulls. <laughs> jaded seagulls. Just, they were all just, oh, another hot dog on a stick scrap today. I mean, Great. I think every place has its own uh, native bird. Does California, oh, I should, I should Wikipedia it. I'm sure we have a native bird. Well, everybody has a native bird. It is Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, the 16th of March. Oh God, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, and guess what was two days ago? What was two days ago? Dude. Um. Oh, yeah, that was the uh, second teaser trailer for King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay, haha, ha, very funny. No, right. two days ago. What? Um, well, number one, it was the day you lost the Grammy to Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you knew you were going to lose to her because oh, totally. she's amazing. She's great. Um, great album. And so we weren't really planning on. No. Because it's these Zoom things now where you have to dress up if like you're at the Grammys. You barely dress up. And by the way, I was sitting there. All these things, they keep you all isolated from each other. So I didn't even see the other nominees. Like I figured because for the Critics' Choice Awards, we're all sitting there, me and Mark and Hannah and everyone were just, you know. Who are Mark and Hannah? Mark Marin, Hannah Gadsby. Oh, oh, oh. That was for the Critics' Choice Awards. We're just sitting there talking with each other. Um, and then um, Michelle Buteau and, and Jerry Seinfeld win and we go watch their speeches. For the Grammys, you're just looking at yourself on this screen and they go, we will cut to you if you win. But I didn't even, like, I figured we would have five minutes ramp up time, but I'd be talking with Tiffany and Bill and, and all the other nominees. But and nobody, it just, nothing. No. And then they suddenly, they announced Tiffany and then they went, okay, thanks. And then they just clicked off. It was, it yeah. was so like lab rat, just sit there in case we need you. Okay, goodbye. Well, it was perfect because it also happened to be my birthday. Yes. And then you just came out and you're like, oh, I just lost the Grammy. All well, right, let's have some cake. Let's have some cake. <laughs> that was perfect. I had cake waiting for me. I had, um, our daughter has learned this new twist flip on the trampoline um, that she did. And so, apparently it has a real name, which she, she thought yes. she made this thing up, but it, it in fact, some, um, you oh, posted God, it online I, and some, I sent this to you. You did. And to you and Alice. Yeah. What is its name? I don't know. It? You have to scroll back. to. The text. I will find it. Anyway, um, you keep vamping while I scroll. <laughs> but you posted her little trick online and somebody wrote back to you and said, I'm a gymnast. And this is actually like a real thing. Called a Barani. B-A-R-A-N-I. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Or a Barani. Or a Barani, but that's what, so after I lost, um, Barani and birthday cake. Yeah, and, and the great thing about that birthday cake is that a year ago. Oh, yeah. When coronavirus hit and everything had to be shut down. I think we talked about it last time. We did. Um, that we put the cake, my birthday cake, which they made for 150 people. <laughs> um, <laughs> they made the birthday cake and we put it in the freezer. Like, you know, everybody says, oh, when you get married, put you the top. You freeze your cake. Yeah. You freeze the top part of your cake yeah. and you have it on your anniversary. So I thought, oh, okay. It, you know, we'll freeze it. And we'll eat it a year later when I celebrate again. Yeah. And everybody's like, it's going to be disgusting. Da, 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 whatever. It was so good. <laughs> it was- yeah, it didn't age. And seriously, um, any ladies listening, freeze your cakes now. Cause you don't know if you're going to want to have a birthday later. You know, definitely just freeze your cake so that you have it. It's just an option. It's a good option. Also, this is the day after uh, Yafet Kodo passed away. Oh, I love him so much. He was in my favorite movie, Midnight Run. Very bummed out. Yafet Kodo has been amazing from the get-go. Started off uh, in a movie called Nothing But a Man, which is a great movie you should track down. Um, Has been, I mean, I first knew him from Live and Let Die as the big, um, uh, as Mr. Big, uh, Kananga. Then, of course, Alien as uh, Parker, one of the most realistic space travelers ever. Uh, hey, what about our bonus? If I'm going to investigate this alien planet, don't I, get, don't I get a bonus for going down there? Which was so startling at the time for a science fiction movie to see a character going, what about my pay? I'm, I'm getting steady pay. Don't I get anything extra? And then, of course, uh, Blue Collar with uh, Richard Pryor and Harvey Keitel. And then, of course, Midnight Run, which he is Agent Mosley. The best. Goddamn brilliant. And just, and just like steals so many scenes by not doing anything. It's just him sitting there slow burning and trying to contain his rage and he can't keep it together. It oh God, he's so funny. That when when his one guy, I think it's the guy that ended up playing the dad on my so-called life, when they when they realize that um uh Robert De Niro has stolen Mosley's ID and, and they're like, Wow, you guys are all 
the other guy was named Mosley. And then the guy goes, I guess he must be using your eye, like the most obvious <laughs> thing. And then <laughs> that just turns, does the slowest look at this guy. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, it makes me him. laugh so hard every time. He's the best. Walsh must be using your ID. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I texted you and was also talking to you about, and I've been thinking about this all morning. Um, I just finished uh, this extraordinary book that I'm I actually immediately started reading again, which almost never happens. It's called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And the reason that it's so amazing is it's basically about a pandemic, like a, a super flu, but this super flu kills 99% of the people that it, so the world is just depopulated and there's a tiny, tiny section of people that are left. And what really struck me about this book, and it makes me think about how we keep looking at the post-apocalypse and, and, you know, plagues and stuff is things just kind of wind down. There aren't, there isn't some massive battle between wasteland marauders and good people in a fortress. There aren't these huge, you know, basically a lot of like, post-apocalyptic things when the world or society collapses is now it's this huge Lord of the Rings battle mm -hmm. when you see it depicted in films or even in novels like the stand and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, it just hit me that, well, we just had this huge pandemic and we lost a big chunk of the population and everything shut down and it didn't turn. It, it just, it, well, it, we it, didn't lose that many people. No, but, but what I'm saying is, I mean, with, wait a second, let me backtrack. What? We lost, a horrible amount of people. Almost a half a million people. Yeah. And that's tragic and Which horrible and disgusting. Be. But in reference to the theme of your topic is right. that we didn't lose enough that it's going to change society no. to some sort of post-apocalyptic scenario but where there's like five people left. That's what get, but that's what I'm getting to is that I think a lot of our post-apocalyptic entertainment movies and video games and stuff. You're saying they get it wrong. I don't even, I don't even think that they get it wrong. I think that they're just very, very hopeful and aspirational. That somehow after the society collapse, everyone is going to be wearing studded leather and on motorcycles and suddenly <laughs> good with weapons. And it's all going to be. But in reality, it's going to be us just kind of wandering around without a whole lot of skills and still yammering about. I would kill to watch an episode of Friends, which is what there's there's a moment in this in, in Station Eleven where someone's like, stop bringing up chocolate chip cookies because I because I'm never going to have one again. Because well, we're just not going to have them anymore. There's no chocolate chip cookies in the post-apocalyptic world. Well, there's, but, but this, this author really breaks down. But what, once you eat all the shelved stuff, this is like 10 years after. Mm -hmm. What's well, left? Who's milling the flour? Who's shipping Well, the flour? it doesn't matter who's, if you're milling flour. If you can't cook anything with gas or electricity. Well, I mean, you could uh, ostensibly cook it over a fire, but all the ingredients oh, right. also forgot, have to be. I forgot about caveman yeah, fire. <laughs> but you've got you've to refine sugar. You've got to harvest cocoa to then process that into chocolate. All that's gone unless you have someone that knows how to do all of that. So it was just really interesting that the, the shock is more of all of the conveniences that are gone. I would imagine that the majority of people, once you are in this sort of environment, mm -hmm. you start to learn how to do the things you didn't know how to do. And meanwhile, coming from you, this is very strange because you are such a uh, doomsday prepper. I mean, you're not crazy doomsday prepper, right. but you've prepper, but you've definitely made the most insane to-go bags that if there was an emergency, there is literally no way on earth that Alice and I would be able to carry the 97 pound go bags that you've made for us with literally, you, you have an ax for 
Dallas is 11. She's going to wield an no, axe. No, no, not an axe. It's a tiny little handheld hatchet that has it's a, tools in the handle. And it has, it's a multi-tool. Yeah, but it doesn't have a... Con- I didn't give her a battle axe to go out into the wasteland well, with. It's like a little multi-tool. It, it's a little hatchet. It's a tiny little hatchet. It's it's a hatchet and it doesn't have a cover on it. Yes, it does. It comes with a cover. But by the way, this novel made me think about the go bags and the home stuff that I put together and go, I actually feel like a lot of this is inadequate. I think I've been aspirational <laughs> in the stuff that I put together going, yeah, I have a Leatherman multi-tool, but I don't know how to strip a wire. I don't know how to fish. Right. And I, why do I have all this? And I don't even know how to open the Leatherman. Like, how do you get the like scissors out of there? How do you like, Oh no, you know, what's really sad. One of the Leatherman, uh, there's a saw. It has a little saw that opens up. But when, when you open it, you got to lock it. And it took me a while to figure out how to close it again. That is how, (laughs) that is how ill-equipped I am for life. Even a guy that has a go pack, like I have those safety straws. You can like drink contaminated water through but how long is that gonna like will there even be water you know oh like the, water yeah that's total mad max kind of stuff well but like clearly that look the fact that the guy that they based that movie the big short on the guy that bought up all the junk um bonds and everything and made all that money betting on the market to collapse he made like 900 million dollars in that scheme he, you know, he invested all that nine hundred million dollars, and he's buying up water rights because he's this kind of on the spectrum guy who can see the future. And he's like, "Oh, the water's about to run out. I'm gonna I'm just gonna buy it all." Okay, he doesn't have to be some genius to figure out the water's gonna run out. Clearly, water is running out. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you got the text I sent you of that picture of rotten fruit. Yes. <laughs> Did you get yes, that? Yes, I got the rotten fruit picture. Okay. I was so excited. I'm scrolling through Instagram and I uh-huh. see this um, amazing company that sells this amazing fruit from like strange places around the world, like right. things I've never heard of. And it looked so good. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited. And because it's... Um, special fruit from around the world for it to get to you, you know, it needs to get to you quickly or it's going to go bad. Sure. Right. So I spent so much money for it because the shipping is like $50 Mm -hmm. for two day shipping. Got to get that fruit, man. But it arrived nine days late Mm -hmm. and completely rotten and disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I understand, you know, shipping and this and that. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I emailed the company yeah. and I was like, Hey guys, I was so excited to try your thing. It arrived late. Um, no response. Right. And then like three days later, I, I texted them again. I emailed them and I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, not trying to be annoying, but you know, I spent like almost $200 on a box of rotten fruit. And mm-hmm. if you could just credit my account, that'd be awesome. Right. And I, you know, no, no response. Mm-hmm. So then I like, thought I'm not going to email them anymore at customer service because clearly they're not responding. So I'm going to go on Twitter and Instagram in their private messages. Sure. So I'm not calling them out. Okay. And I'm like, hey, 
you know, I've been emailing your customer service, no response. And no one got back to me. Mm-hmm. And so like two days later, I'm like, listen, I don't want to be that girl that calls out a company online mm-hmm. publicly, but could one of you just at least get back to me? Like, that's pretty fucked up. Customer service is just acknowledge it. Be like, oh my, my bad. We can't credit you or, right, right. or my bad. Let me send you a piece of, you know, whatever. Do, sure. so, do something. I get it. Acknowledge the complaint. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, you know, it's every time a company like a airline company is like, I've been on the tarmac for 90, you know, 90 hours or whatever. Right. And then the company's always like, oh my gosh, how can we remedy the situation? Blah, 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 blah. blah. So I did. So I, I did call them out on, uh, you know, in a, in a story, not in a post, like, you know, a 24 hour thing, no response, no reply. Then I found another company Mm -hmm. that does the same thing that this company did. And I was just like, Hey, I'm dying to try this really strange piece of fruit. Is there any, like, I'm terrified that I'm going to order it from you and it's going to arrive rotten because it happened from this other company. And they're like, listen, we will send you this piece of fruit so you can just try it. And I was like, that's so nice. And if, if it comes and it's not rotten, it's delicious. I'm definitely going to be like, this company has amazing customer service. Well, okay. Were both companies, companies that you found on Instagram, scrolling through Instagram? Yeah. I have. Oh, but they I, look amazing. And no, other- I, I'm not saying that they don't look amazing. I'm just saying, in my experience, the couple of times that I've ordered things that I've seen advertised on Instagram, it's always super shady. Yeah, but that's like made super- out of plastic and it doesn't work. This is no, like no, 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 an no. actual fruit. See, that would make me even more the the shadiness that happens on Instagram. If we're now taking it to perishable goods, <laughs> it's even worse. But I wanna- and I just would. I, I don't know. Well, I, what's your opinion on calling companies out? Like publicly, do you? Because I spoke to one of my best friends, and she's like, "Absolutely, that's what's twi- that's what Twitter's for." <laughs> You're, please, please take this with a grain of salt. You you are edging into Karen territory oh, when no. you. I'm just saying it's the it's it's a little bit like oh, you didn't get your basket of exotic fruit. <laughs> my my family is I've been unemployed for a year, and my grandmother's dead. Like yeah, there yes. is going to be that okay reaction. Listen, to it, you I know? completely understand that, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person, which is why. I did a million, like, and I was so nice. I wasn't like, you guys suck. I was so nice. I was like, I was so interested. This really, could could you just, you know, no one, but at least acknowledge it. Like, I'm not, anyway, I hear what you're saying. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is, but I think a lot of these- But should companies not be held accountable at all? Well, I'm just saying, I think a lot of the companies on Instagram are not really a permanent affair per se, that they put something up and it's there for a few weeks and then- once it's gone, it's like they don't they don't have any right infrastructure. So well, they're never going to respond because after a few weeks, it doesn't exist anymore. Maybe. You but know, I think that's how Instagram kind of works. I don't know. But Instagram I think these are real it's companies. Al- it's almost like a Snapchat for companies. <laughs> I you guess. just put your company up and then it can just vanish. Well, and I don't sell think that's the case sell. in this situation. But I wanted to ask <laughs> the people listening yeah. what you guys think, like what you think about calling people out. And that's not a Karen move, is it? I hope not. That's It's just- Karen-ish. Oy, it's in the family. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, that was a topic I wanted to discuss. Now, but so what is this fruit that you are now you're obsessed with it? What is this fruit that you're <laughs> tracking down? Well, I don't know how to pronounce. Well, I think it's called. Well, the easy way to say it is sour sop. Sour sop. It just looks. I don't, that it, sounds like an Icelandic electronica band. But, but it's got a weird. It's got a different name. It's like ahua. It's got like a really long. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it's from. And what. <laughs> 
so hang on. You're upside. I want to try this fruit. I don't really know where it's from. I don't really need to get into well, it. Well, it could be from any, I, I don't know where it's from. It's, maybe it's from Africa or Peru or something. What's it supposed to taste like? Delicious, it well, looks like. But, but what is the. I don't know, man. That's why I want to try it. It looks so good. Did you do any research on it though? Like to go. All I saw was on Instagram, like Mm -hmm. all these beautiful, gorgeous people just opening up. See, they got you. They got the atmosphere models eating the food. They're just like these sunshiny people in Africa or Mm -hmm. wherever they're from. And they're opening up the fruit and it just looks so sensuous and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then they, they slowly take a bite and it's like, "Mm." and they look so like they're just in heaven eating this piece of, Exotic fruit. And I just want to know what it tastes like. If they had shot me uh, sitting in my car in a (laughs) t-shirt, opening the fruit, opening, you're like, I got to try that fruit. Like, I think, oh my God, this is like the fire festival of fruit sales. You saw a bunch of hot people sitting on yachts and on beaches, trying this out. You're like, oh, I got to try that. And now they sent you that. Remember that horrible picture of the cheese and the bread and the piece of lettuce. That's what you got. It's the fire festival of uh, ordering fruit. You just fell for it. Well, listen, to be fair to the company, mm-hmm. it was probably FedEx's fault or, you know, something got happened. Things happened during coronavirus with the shipping. So I don't want to. Oh, that's. But, but they could have at least just said, hey, man, sorry about the shipping. Things were crazy. Just something. Just mm-hmm. acknowledge the problem. Yeah. All this stuff that I ordered for Christmas this year all came in January. All the presents I got for people. I'm um, like little ice cream collections or chocolate collections. They all, it all showed up in January. I know. But, and, 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 and I was like, I'm, I can't get mad at that because people that are working in the, in FedEx or shipping are going through such hell right now. I understand. That I'm not going to go, excuse me. No, no, no. If my aunt can't get her seated rye on the <laughs> Lord's birthday, then why did my dad lose his calf muscle in Vietnam? Like, I'm not going to go down that, that path. Okay. Well, let me then. I'm, 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 I acknowledge that I feel bad that perhaps <laughs> I'm just saying, just acknowledge, like, sorry, that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You know what I was thinking as I was looking through my phone what? recently or just this whole year, I was trying to think because it was my birthday and it was also like the year anniversary of, of oh, when yeah. we, everything shut down for sure. coronavirus. I was sort of like trying to look through the year and see how what we did this year and what was accomplished and what wasn't. And, and as I was scrolling through, um, normally you look through and you're like, Oh, that party was so fun. And you're with like five of your best friends. And every single picture I have is a screenshot that I've taken of me talking to a friend. It's like, it's like my friend's face. And then me up in the corner, like laughing. I have a billion photos of me with my best friend's son FaceTiming. And these are all the pictures I have from the year. They're all FaceTime photos. But, but that being said, I also have pictures. I've been upstairs in the bedroom and you and Alice have been in her room and we'll FaceTime. And I've actually taken so many cute pictures of you and Alice <laughs> as we FaceTime. Because when you guys talk to me, you smile so sweetly. Oh, so sweet. It's really cute. This is my question. Is it like a, bel- look, there's going to be a lot of acupuncturists going. It's absolutely a science. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there is something scientific about it. But I've been feeling as I'm sure everybody during coronavirus has had a lot of stresses in their life, Mm -hmm. a lot of death in the family, a lot of money issues, losing jobs. We all know that, you know, nobody worked this year. Um, But all of those stresses sort of combined for me. And in the last. (laughs) um, All those stresses combined for me. 
and I was so stressed out and I got so many messages like, you should go to acupuncture. You should do this. You should do that. So I did. I went to acupuncture mm-hmm. and everybody's like, this should relax you. This is going to open up your channels so that you're not so stressed. And the whole time I felt like that guy, who's that scary guy, Hellraiser with the pin face? Pinhead. Him. And I was like, if I move at all, there's pins in me. If I like slightly move, am I going to push one of these pins in deeper? Am I? And so I was so scared to move and like so tense, like when are they coming out? When are they coming out? When are these going to be taken out? I don't like, and it made me more stressed. Mm. So the question is, do these things only work if you believe in them? And you're like, ah, oh, I can't move. I have to allow my body to rest. This is great for me. Is something actually happening? Because I was more stressed the whole time. I think it depends on how you're wired. If, if needles and that kind of stuff bugs you, then obviously it's not going to, um, it's not going to help you at all. And you're going to be um, way more uh, stressed and, and freaked out. I'm sure there are people that if you don't like being touched, then a massage is not going to help you. Oh, massage helps me. Exactly. See, that's the big, that's probably one of the reasons why I've been so stressed. You cannot get a massage mm-hmm. during coronavirus. And if you have a husband who's like, I'll massage you, but he does it for two minutes and then he's done. <laughs> well, if your husband's been working all day and he's very tired and would like to actually well, just go to sleep. Well, if your husband actually loved you and cared about your back being sore. Just kidding. I know. Just go, me. go scream at a fruit company and get out. Oh your my God. That way, please. Oh, don't be mean. To me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had acupuncture a lot and I really dig it. It, I don't know what it is. I think it's the, I think it's the, um, the fact that it shouldn't be relaxing. The fact that there are needles in me and and it's not supposed to not be relaxing. Yeah. But, but I just, for some reason that the, 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 the push pull of that really works for me. I don't know what it is now, you know, other things that are relaxing for other people just wind me up. Like for instance, um, I, I remember, uh, you know, I've been, I've gone, when, like, for instance, if I take a vacation, I want it to be with me and maybe a couple of people. But a vacation for me means I, I get a lot of solitude and I've gone on vacations where suddenly there's a lot of people there. And the, and because that the other person is like, I want to be with all these people the whole time. And, and I end up leaving the vacation more torqued up than when I showed up. Like it ruins all that. I do have to say we did go on a vacation once with two two of my best friends and their families. And um, it was amazing because the kids played together. And then that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we go. But I liked the fact that you were like, I'm going to go read all by myself. I was like, great, get, no. rid, get rid of them. <laughs> I, okay. I remember I've gone on trips back in my twenties with my friends. We're like, let's all go to Vegas. So it's like 15 of us went to Vegas. And then instead of being able to enjoy Vegas and do what you want to do, you're like, well, let's go get dinner. Well, then I got to call Christine. Well, you could call her, but she's with Ted. So call them too, if they want to go. Cause when, like, and so everything takes twice as long to go do. So now if I travel, I want it with a tiny group of people like, or just one other person like me, like you. And, and so I don't have to do all this. Like, Oh, just too many people to me is too many people in a group is not relaxing to me. It what just about tends. a person who has multiple personalities like me? <laughs> <laughs> Different altars actually can have different eyesight situations. Like you can have astigmatism as one altar mm-hmm. or nearsightedness or farsightedness. Mm-hmm. Like your different altars could have different needs. Mm-hmm. Like you might need glasses. Isn't that interesting? 
And that is the basis for the movie Split by M. Night Shyamalan. What? Where he could, remember he did different altars. He had different abilities. Yeah, but did it have to do with eyeglasses? Yeah, some of them had to wear eyeglasses. Some of them were an old woman who was slower. Some of them was, yeah. Oh, well, that's- that was, mo- And then he turned into the beast and he has superpowers. Well, yeah, that's not So normal. you're saying he stole your thesis paper. Except for the superpower <laughs> part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although- couldn't some alters, because of uh, altered body chemistry, because of the situation, have those weird, you know, you hear about the, the weird adrenaline jolts if someone's super angry or super frightened and they can like push a car off a child or something like that because of the. Yeah, one could be weak, one could be strong. Yeah, All exactly. Yeah. But can, can, can they have different skills? Like can one play guitar and the other one can't? Um, probably. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to school a long time ago, babe. <laughs> I went to, man, college was a long, long time ago, man. Did you even get the text that I sent you about Lady Gaga's dogs getting stolen? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that whole, um, when that whole drama went down. But how sad there's nothing scarier or sadder i mean of course there's a million things that are scarier and sadder yeah but the guy got shot the dude and he and they stole two of her dogs and the and the cutest thing is that the third dog first of all do you know the names of the dogs no koji mm-hmm. gustav uh-huh. and asia and asia after the guy got shot and he was laying there bleeding he went up and he like I don't know if Asia's probably a girl curled up next to him. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, you're leaving out a very important detail. The three dogs that were kidnapped were French no, bulldogs. Oh, they were? They were no, all- no, no. Two got kidnapped. One stayed to take care oh, of the little. Two got kid- but they were all French bulldogs. And, and I feel like, um, that, but beyond the guy just being brave uh, and being a badass, because I would not have, have uh, done what he did. He took a bullet for these. Frenchies, because I would have taken a bullet for my Frenchie. I had a, a Frenchie named Grumpus. I know you had a, and you love Grumpus. In he fact, was the best. he was the best. And when Grumpus was a little baby, he looked exactly like Alice. And when yes, Grumpus grew did. up, he looks exactly like you. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a French bulldog. I do. Although, you know, and, and again, that, that little detail about Asia going and being with a guy and comforting him. I remember this was when I was living back in Burbank and I had Grumpus and I would take him on his evening walks. And one time we were out walking, there was all this activity. People were like um, running around and panicking and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and a, two blocks over, somebody said, oh, this woman's dog got out and they're looking for it. She's really worried, you know, because he's not really an outside dog. He's an inside dog and, and they don't want him getting hit by a car or, you know. So then we all started, the whole neighborhood just started looking for this dog. And then um, I, uh, um, then the dog got found. I turned a corner and was going down the street and, the, and the, there was this big group of people and they clearly found the dog and they were with it and like comforting it, waiting for the owner to get to it. And Grumpus ran up to it and put his little paw on that dog's paw. Like, it's okay. Like, oh, like he wanted to like calm like him down. He, he was like, it's okay. We found you. You're okay. It oh. was so sweet. Like he was just sitting there with him. So yeah, Frenchies are very, and when I would take him to doggy daycare, this is a bit of a brag, but um, the, the dogs that were not really social or were nervous, they would put them in a separate little yard with Grumpus because Grumpus was so good at calming down other dogs because he would immediately like, just roll on his back and go, it's okay. It's safe here. Just chill. Everything's He's like a natural uh, service animal. He's like this little Buddha and they, <laughs> they would call him little Buddha and they would go, 
like if a new dog would come in and he was nervous, they'd go put him in with little Buddha and then they would hang out for a little bit and then he'd be fine. Little Buddha. You look like a little Buddha. A little Buddha. Hang on. That means I got to get, go on keto again. I get, I get the hint. No, 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 no. Although summer is coming. Okay. Hang on. Can I just talk about Lady Gaga again for a second? Yeah. Another detail that I loved about the um, dog napping because the dogs, the two dogs were very quickly returned is that, um, Danny Trejo tweeted out. I don't know if you saw his tweet, Mm-mm. but he's he's like, um, "Don't worry, uh, Lady Gaga. We've got people working on this. We will find the like <laughs> the idea of Danny Trejo. Like, oh, oh my I've God. got my people looking for and and then very shortly thereafter, the two dogs were returned. Like, did, did feel, the guy return the dogs? Not to her, but like left them somewhere and then told people where they were. So it was this thing of like, oh, Danny Trejo's involved. Let's give the dogs back. Yeah, we're, we don't, I don't need this. Yeah, he's badass. But also I feel like it was, it was also, it was a combination of Danny Trejo. And also I, I didn't know these were Lady Gaga's dogs. This is, there's like, I can never sell. This is way too big for me. A lot of people are stealing. A lot of people are stealing dogs. Like they take dogs from people. It's terrible. It's, but, it's but so But what evil. do you do with them? Well, I don't know. Is there is it a, is it a for profit crime business? I is there think. a thing? Because I've always heard that kidnapping is a really really hard way to do a crime and make money. It's not a desirable thing to do for criminals. So dog napping, what do you get for it? I don't know why people are stealing other people's dogs, but it, it's heartbreaking because I would die if someone took my kitty. Oh my god! And I would call Danny Trejo. And <laughs> I, I, would, would. I would get him looking for our our catnapper. I would call Danny Trejo too. I'm Buddha shaped. You, you know what? what? I'll give you that. <laughs> oh yeah, no thank. No, you you have to give me that. Look at me. But I would like to say, first of all, you fell in love with me when I looked a little Buddha-ish. No, not really. Well, anyway, uh, summer is coming, and people are getting fit and ready. And summer is a coming in. Summer is a coming, mm-hmm. and uh, this coronavirus year has been so stressful for everyone. Mm-hmm. And. I, I stressfully lost 20 pounds just and, accidentally and I stressfully gained about 15. No, you did not. Well, I, I think people dealt with their stress in different ways. Cause a lot of my friends are very open about, it. I gained a lot of weight and other friends of mine are really thin and, but not like a, a healthy thin, like a, a sallow desperate. Well, I think Chihuahua thin. Well, I, I will never be uh Chihuahua thin. <laughs> I, I'm always going to be curvilicious, but, uh-huh. um, but Everybody exercises and eats really healthy when they're trying to get in shape. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, thanks for the stress. Yeah, exactly. And now I don't really have to do any of this. I know. Stuff. Although I do because I've gotten psycho crazy. Yeah. I've lost my marbles this. Exactly. Yeah. It it, it came with a cost. It did. Yeah. But um, a lot of, look, um, a slimmer waist size, but a lot of crying. So it balanced crying. out. Maybe it was the tears built up in me. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, you seem to lose the, uh, the the salt and water retention. <laughs> That's probably what it was. Oh my God. You don't drink coffee in the morning. No. You tend to drink tea. But Oh, I, I drink tea, period. No, I know you drink tea, but I think at one point you mentioned that coffee gave you anxiety or something because the caffeine. But you're putting like 97 tea bags in your, in your tea. Oh, I like strong tea, but still, even with that many tea bags, I'll put three PG tip bags in a big cup. Um, but it's still uh, a more smoother liftoff with coffee. It's a immediate rocket straight up and then a plummet for me. So with tea, it's a nice 
longer rise and then a nice come down. I so think it's not that's the jolting. mental image of tea. Tea, tea is very, um, it's got a quiet, calming thought to it. You know, yeah. oh, let's sit, sit and have a cup of tea. It's so refined and let's read a book. And well, I guess you read a coffee. You read a coffee. You have a coffee. With a book. Also. Well, but also with, with my tea, I make my tea very strong the way the Brits do. If you read George Orwell's essay, A Nice Cup of Tea, about you basically, it's like paint thinner. So it matches like the bitterness that you feel of having to wake up early. And it actually balances out kind of the humor of, of the way you feel about the outside world. It, it balances your inside world and then creates this cool kind of harmony. I, I really f- love it. I feel very refined when I have tea. Really? Yeah. I, I, I feel very British working class, um, low level spy when I'm drinking <laughs> my tea and just like, I got to pass this goddamn piece of microfiche in a, in a <clears throat> Sparks bag somewhere, you know, Marks and Sparks bag. So, ugh. yeah, when I drink coffee, I feel like I'm, I'm a worker. I'm working for the day. I'm at my desk. I'm writing. I'm produ- I'm like, uh-huh. I feel like coffee makes me like, like a strong woman worker and yeah. tea makes me feel like a lady. Huh. I don't know. I, I I've always thought of tea in the uh, uh, in the British working class sense. Hmm. Yeah, is a cup of tea, Dan. Cup of tea, mate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like like the British gangsters. They, it's almost like it's almost said as like a threat. Yeah, you come around, we'll have a cup of tea. Talk it over. Yeah, a cup of tea means I'm yeah. gonna put a bullet. In exactly. Your head. <laughs> yeah, I'll come around. We'll have a cup of tea. We'll sort this all out, right, Gov? That's right, baby. Did you get my text? I was, I've been going through um, my photos on my phone starting from March 13th of last year and kind of tracking the pandemic through our attitudes. You could tell in our photos, like (laughs) when it first starts, there's a lot of photos of our family out for walks. Yeah. What is this? Let's, let's, we're going to be trapped here for days. Let's go get fresh air. Let's make this like we, we're going to embrace this. In a positive way, there's a lot of pictures of us doing puzzles and me doing those little paper craft monsters and Alice composing at her piano. And that lasts about two months. And then it it just turned into you're upstairs watching crime shows. I'm watching movies. <gasps> Alice is, you know, that that's all we're doing. So one thing that we did at the beginning of the uh, pandemic that I wish we'd bring back, we played a lot of that board game. Sorry. Oh, I love that game. But it's such a it, it's so deceptively simple. Um, it's just, you got your four pieces and you pull, you draw cards and you move, do what the cards say. But what I, what I realized about, sorry, that's kind of addictive is it is one of the few board games that replicates just sheer, um, vindictiveness. No, no, not even, (laughs) no, yes, there is vindictiveness in it, but it also brings in the element of absolute dumb, shitty luck. That no matter how many plans you make, no matter how many it's like strategies life. you lay, someone can pull a card and you can be fucked. You can be, I remember games where you'd get a couple guys home early and we're like, well, she's got this game. And then just because of the card, suddenly you're, you've got pieces, but like, like you can just get totally fucked for no reason. You can. And you can also see per people's personalities because if you ever send Alice back home, Oh, if yeah. you if you ever do anything to Alice right. and her next card is something where she can improve her standing in the game, she and, and there's two choices to make. Right. 
she will choose the one who did something to her in, exactly. in the past. So she's vindictive. She plays vindictively. Oh and, I, and I pointed it out to her and I was yeah. like, do you see this part of your personality? You, do you see how you're doing this? You play like Michael Corleone. This is all business. <laughs> I'm simply, if I'm bumping you back, it's only because you happen to be on a square and had nothing personal. And she plays like Sonny Corleone. I'm going to remember this. <laughs> and even if it cost me getting home, I would rather fuck you over than to help my game. Like it's, it it's is not pure, a good quality. Yeah. But sometimes it, it, it it's a, like, I, I know that there's, there's competitive everything. Now, every friggin' game has net like these crazy levels of competitiveness, obviously chess, but then, you know, backgammon and go and, you know, but, but there's strategy to those. Exactly. I don't think you can have a competitive sorry league because no matter how there's no such thing as being the Yes, you can be, you can have the best mind for game theory and strategy, but in sorry, there is this element of you can just get completely fucked and there's nothing you can do about but it. There is some strategy. How, there what, is, well, well, yeah. well, for example, if you roll it, if you roll a 10, right. I think it's a 10. You can go back four spaces. You, if you, I'm sorry. If you pull a 10, if you, you pull don't a 10, even you're, right. you're, you're it's not, not dice, it's cards, but you're not even given the possibility of being the best dice thrower. You know, like oh, you please. can't even bring that into That's it. That's such it a is, D&D nerd thing to say, like being a great dice thrower. Like, oh man, I got my wizard up to power 10. Is that right? Did I just say it? Uh, no, sweetie. I, oh I my God. Right. We're going to get so many emails. Um, listen, <laughs> I'm just saying that at least with the dice, you can, you can, you can fool yourself that you have the illusion of maybe I can make these go the way I want to go with the card deck. There's no, you don't know what's going to come up and you, you shuffle them, you put them down and then, and then you are right, at you its have, mercy. It's sort of like when you're gambling and you're playing, um, what's that game where you throw the things and you know, the what? one, you what know, you everybody's about? around the table and you throw sevens, you throw snake eyes, craps, craps. but I'm, what I'm saying is craps gives you the illusion, the illusion that you can still control. Even I, though you're right. You're not controlling it, but people can fool themselves. But with sorry, sorry openly tells you. I'm just letting you know something's coming. Not only. No, I'm letting you know you have no control and, and you better accept that as part of this game, which I love. Yes, there is strategy. I pulled a 10. Can I go forward 10 places? Or back? Can I go four. back one? No. Wait, what's just the one where you go back for the four? Is it if you draw a four card, you go back four. if you draw a 10, you can go forward 10 or back one. Oh, that's right. So that's one of the few ones where you have a choice. I'm just saying that. But you don't have any control either of what you draw. And also, how bad is it? And this is this. That's why I sent you those pictures of us lined up near home. Oh, yeah, I got that. You can be near home. But if you draw a card that's too high, you've got to go back around the board again. So you, like even that even that element of strategy gets taken away from you, which makes the game so infuriating. You know what I like addictive. doing with that game? What? I like when I uh, take a thing and send someone back home uh -huh. and then I go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I sent you this thing. I sent you to, I, I, I don't know if you got my, did you get my text? Of what? About? Well, there was this article and there seemed to be these, this is an old thing to talk about actually, that every now and then um, one of these Internet websites or news sites will go the seven foods to reduce stress or the seven. And it just feels like we got to fill some space. Let's write some dumb health article and pick, you know, the, the eight foods you should avoid. Or the, mm -hmm. So they picked. It's a lot of clickbait. That's it's stuff. a lot of clickbait and it's a lot of filler. And, and by the way, I sympathize with if you've got a 
if you're running some aggregate news site and you got to fill it every friggin' day or the advertisers are going to go away that, okay, yeah, let's do some nine household items that will kill you. Um, fine. Oh, I love those with the nine (laughs) hacks. Like these are the life hacks you should know. It's amazing. They're great. By the way, they're all the same. I've read a hundred life hack articles. Never used one. Name a, name a life hack right now. Um, well, if you take the dustpan of your, uh, broom set, Uh um, you can put it in your sink and use this. Use it as a spot, I remember. See, no one, <laughs> we read these things. I don't remember a single one of these life hacks. I don't care. Um, oh, the cupcake life hack. What's the cupcake life hack? When you get a cupcake. Yes. And instead of it being like frosting on the top uh-huh. and then the base of it is like all the cake. Right. You cut the base part in half uh-huh. or, or basically you cut off the top frosting part and you flip it upside down. So it's sort of like a little sandwich. Okay. Technically, that is. But not then a, it gets crumbly, so you know a, that's not a life hack. That's just a way to get calories into you quicker. That that is not a way to improve your life. Well, it's just okay. like how can I? Eat and also, this? you look kind of stupid. And truthfully, that then it gets too crummy. So okay, so again, not a good life. Not, hack. not a life hack. Okay. Um, but so they they had these seven. It was seven foods to help you lose weight. Fine, you know the spinach and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and all this shit. But they did this thing, and this drives me crazy. They've done this with a, a couple times. Um cauliflower and spaghetti squash, which tell me I'm open to you going, uh, yeah, cauliflower will eat. It helps you lose weight. It's full of vitamins, but they'll try to go. Um, spaghetti squash is a great, uh, substitute for pasta. You'll eat, oh. You won't even know the difference. Yes, I will. Stop telling me that spaghetti squash. Oh, you can put um, tomato sauce on it and some chicken. You won't even know the difference. Yes, I will. Okay. I will immediately know the difference and it will piss me off. Okay. Just, Tell me to eat squash. Don't tell me that I can fool myself into thinking that it's spaghetti. Okay. I, I hear you. I acknowledge crazy. I acknowledge your feelings, mm-hmm. but I disagree slightly in the oh way God. that's like, Why? if you're sitting there craving like, like spaghetti bolognese or bolognese. I got in a fight with my sister the other day about how to say bolognese. Bolognese. Anyway. Spaghetti, um, bo- spaghetti bolognese. Um, if you're craving that, and so you're kind of craving the sauce, and if you put it on the 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 noodle, the no. the squash, no, but you do get that flavor, and no. maybe that flavor is no, you don't. Okay. I want the texture of the spaghetti. Now, hang on, because it gets even crazier. It gets crazier than spaghetti squash and and pasta. Because then, Patton. they do that 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 equally evil bullshit thing of um, which is what have you know cauliflower is full of blah, blah, but have you tried cauliflower rice? Yes, I have. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Stop telling me that I can fool myself with cauliflower rice. If I'm ever shipwrecked on an island and the only thing that's growing is cauliflower, then I will fool myself because I will. I will, I will literally, my brain will snap and I will imagine that I'm eating rice. And I will also look at one of the other survivors and picture him as a big hot dog or a hamburger (laughs) and I'll chase him around. They do that. And then, and then this was the craziest one I ever saw. And I, 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 it made me so angry. They, they said, if you take, if you take a like cauliflower bud and dip it in like barbecue sauce. Oh no. You'll, you'll think that you're eating like barbecue chicken. No, and I'm like, no, no, you, and, and I didn't even need to try, like, I've had cauliflower rice. So I know whereof I speak. It's not rice. It doesn't I know it. whereof I I've, speak. I've had the spaghetti squash spaghetti. It doesn't work. I don't need to test the cauliflower in the barbecue sauce. to know that that is absolute bullshit. 
that was some writer under a deadline going, how can I add a new spin to this evil lie about the cauliflower rice? I'm going to go. And that guy went for broke and said, I'm going to tell him to dip it in barbecue sauce. Although I do have like to chicken. say, it's that, it's that, mm. oh my God, you just rolled your eyes at me. It's yeah. that, it's that the flavor of the, I don't like these things, the buffalo sauce. I don't like that, but people do, you know, the, the whatever barbecue sauce. Right. But if you're craving that taste of barbecue sauce right. or of spaghetti sauce, and then those other things are, are, um, you know, they work for the flavor. Don't. Don't tell make me. me live the li- don't make me live the lie of dipping cauliflower. And I feel like if I do that when I'm dead and they're replaying my life to me, they're going to go, what, what is this? You sitting here dipping cauliflower into buffalo wing sauce. Well, I read an article that said that it would taste just like, and like, okay, we need to send you back. Like you didn't, you didn't evolve. You know, Patton, you do a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. And sometimes you get like super high voice and you can be silly and funny. But do you ever listen to like Alec Baldwin's podcast where his voice is so beautiful and right. calm and metal, mellow? And then you too have that beautiful, calm. You go, right. you you have that register sometimes when you can fall into that very <laughs> sexy kind but, of smooth. But but not when you say not when you talk like that. Yeah, because here's why. Because look, I I did Alex. Look at that. Just do it. Just do it. Lower. Uh, listen. I, okay. Yeah, but like if that. I'm doing this, there is such a self-conscious effort to do it that I lose any honesty in what I'm talking no, about. Because and I'm more focused on talking like this. Except when we are just laying there next to each other talking at night, that's the voice you use. Well, then let's, we should record this in bed. We should put <laughs> mics next to our, because that's not how I talk. That's <gasps> Could we like, do that? It would be so much oh, more comfortable. <laughs> and it would be interesting. Because Hello talk with Meredith and Patton. Yeah, hey, what happened today? Oh, you know, I was reading that article about lady gaga's dogs what <laughs> no let's let's try a version of that well no. <laughs> no let's do it now ready okay. hang on oh hey meredith yeah that thing you sent me early what was going on with a uh, well lady I, gaga's dogs well koji and oh. gustav and asia you're right three beautiful little french bulldogs oh you know i love frenchies <laughs> <laughs> see it's just weird i like it you know Look, what it's, I, a, it's a calming moment from the right. heightenedness except that uh, when i'm talking about this stuff i'm not calm i'm not going you know what really makes me <laughs> angry uh, meredith is reading these articles that are clear clickbait and thumb suckers and space fillers and like it does it doesn't fit what i'm t- what i'm talking about i know but i just wanted to point out that you do have also a very okay. nice sexy and i'll, I'll use it where when it's appropriate if i if i do an asmr podcast i will definitely use that voice but right now I'm not. <gasps> let's do some asmr do you even mm, know what that is i mean i vaguely know what it is it's it's people doing that relaxing kind of today we're making pomegranate juice margaritas pomegranate juice margaritas right oh okay mm. see i don't know you don't like that okay no you just you sound like you sound like ginger grant from gilligan's island oh <laughs> i'm such a marianne I'm also a ginger. I'm also Mrs. Howell. Mm. I'm also Gilligan. And a Aren't pe- we? Didn't Sherwood Schwartz say that the seven castaways are supposed to represent the seven oh. sins? I don't know. Yeah, he said that um, uh, uh, Mr. Howell is greed. Um, ginger is obviously lust. The professor is pride. Um, Marianne is envy. Uh, the skipper is, is wrath. And Gilligan is sloth. Why is Marianne envy? Because everyone she's, wants she's, to be her. And no, she's she's envious of Ginger and 
She's no, like she's this. Not. She. There were episodes where she was envious of Ginger. Really? Yeah. I disagree. Um. That's. I mean. That's the theory. That's what he said. Oh. That's Sherwood Schwartz, the creator of that show. So. Speaking of shows, and you know mm-hmm. how at night I always watch crime shows. Oh boy. Well, I don't always watch. I watch Dateline. Yeah. And there's crime a, show. Okay, fine. It's a crime show. But um. But it's a crime show where like Keith Morrison is walking you through it and you feel very safe with him. And and it's not scary. For some reason, it's not scary. You're just learning about mm-hmm. something that happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, last night was the first time in a million years that I was watching a crime show and I got so scared I had to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Which one were you watching? It was something about the Cecil Hotel oh, God. and this girl... Um. Oh God, why am I forgetting her name? She's an Asian girl that was photographed in the elevator. It was so creepy. Somebody, yeah. It was so creepy. And, and, and then she was found later, like in the- In the water tank. In the water tank, because people were noticing that the water pressure in the hotel was not good and their water tasted bad and it was a little bit brown. Mm-hmm. And she was like, ugh. Yeah. She was in the water tower, like decomposing. But it was so creepy because- Whoever did the music, the whole thing was scary. And everything yeah. that happens at the Cecil Hotel is scary. And I watched the first episode and I was super scared, but I kept thinking like, this won't get scary. It'll get solved real mm-hmm. quick. But I was so scared that I turned it off. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then the lights were out in my room because I was watching in the dark. <laughs> and then I started to get super scared. And then I texted you yeah. and I was like, can you please come upstairs? I'm very scared. Yeah. And then you're like, what'd you say? Let me finish my movie or I whatever. You 15 say. minutes. Like, I'm watching Creed 2. Like the final fight's about to start. Like, come up here. I'm scared. I'm like, he's going to take down Ivan Drago. I know, but I was really scared. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Well, then I did come up there and we talked. Things were felt better. I had to like turn on the lights and I had to play solitaire yeah. and I had to play word crush or whatever I was doing. I had to do anything I possibly, I even switched over to an old dateline to like calm me down. Oh, the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. That's horrible. But more than Santa Claus was <laughs> coming to town after this message. Yeah. That, I mean, it, it's, we, 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 I mean, I think that we're, we're just so fascinated with these crime shows because there's so much chaos now just in reality. And, and not only is there chaos in reality, we don't even know what's reality a hundred percent anymore. So the idea of you watch a crime show, there, uh, an aberration happens, a crime is committed, and then someone is punished for it is weirdly comforting. We, yeah. we need that. But problem with the Cecil Hotel documentary is they don't solve that one. It's just kind of left open. So well, they don't exactly. Oh, they, you know what they called it? What? They called it an accidental drowning. Yeah. No. She climbed up to the roof, moved a billion weight uh, cover off of a water tower and climbed in to die. It's not. In the security footage, she's clearly being chased, right? It it looks like she's talking to someone in the hallway, but then people are like, she's at the Cecil Hotel. Maybe she got given some sort of LSD situation and she's freaking out. It looks like she's scared and she's hiding from someone. Yeah, exactly. But then she goes out. But she, oh, it's very weird. It's so creepy. I can't even talk about it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I, I've done a few LSD trips. I've never. Really, what? I, I gotta. What? Yeah. What? We've talked about this. You've done LSD. Yes. Really. Yeah. Really. Yes. Wow, dude. When'd you do that? <clears throat> First LSD trip I took was oh, it was in um, uh, November of uh, nineteen ninety two in San Francisco. In my friend Derek Robertson's apartment, he's a big comic book writer who weirdly ended up being the artist on Happy, which I was the voice this years later. 
He was the artist for Happy. Oh, I love that show. And it was the night of um, Bill Clinton's inauguration. So I so he you goes, thought, let's trip. Well, he said, you know, if you're going to do it, you do it in a set, do a setting around you where it's happy and upbeat. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that go wrong with LSD is someone would go, let's watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And you're like, well, no, <laughs> I don't think any- you know, so they're all uh, the thing that I remember the most. And, and like the walls didn't melt and I didn't, you know, I had a couple of moments where I felt like a bunch of windows in time all lined up and opened. And I could see like to the beginning of time to like, the man like discovering fire or whatever. It was one of those weird, I'm sure it was just, just my imagination, you know, being fueled by the LSD. But I also remember he and his roommate comedian, Matt Weinhold had their walls were lined with every action figure ever. They collected action figures. So they had every mm-hmm. on these little shelves it was really well done. <clears throat> and at one point, you know, Clinton won. So they're all up on stage, him and Gore. And and then all the action figures started dancing to don't stop thinking about tomorrow. No, what happened was, yes, that song was playing, but the figures didn't dance. What they did was they did that little, very subtle little like head bob. And they look like a line of people like outside of a concert, like, but they're hearing the sound check in the afternoon. (laughs) And they're just, they were all subtly, just bobbing their heads to that song. Oh my gosh. And it was really cool. And it just felt really pleasant and nice. So That's it was nice. Fun. The only thing that sucked was that the LSD we took was a little speedy. So you got a stomach ache because it had a lot of uh, amphetamines oh, in it. So that was not ache. good. But then later on, then I just, then I learned to do mushrooms, which are. Then you so learned wonderful. to do mushrooms. Well, I just, I was like, God, that LSD was so speedy. And my friend was like, you should take mushrooms there. It's, it's way more natural. And you're such a nerd. I wouldn't have thought you would have done any of that stuff. I took mushrooms one time. Uh, my brother and I went and saw Once Upon a Time in the West, the new Beverly. And I, I don't know what it was, but we were on shrooms. It was very, very mellow. But because that movie is so big and portentous that we we just found it to be the funniest thing we've ever seen in our lives. We couldn't, we weren't laughing out loud because it would have pissed everyone off. But we were doing that like, why is this so funny to us? These huge, you know, Henry Fonda and Charles Bronson just staring each other down and talking about, you know, at the point of death, I were, we're just like, this is the funny thing. I don't know what it was, but it was great. It was really wonderful. I made friends with an inchworm. Oh, yeah. Oh, you told me that. Yeah. You took what? shrooms. Where, you, where were you? I was in college and my roommates and I all decided to go into the woods, <laughs> into the woods in Boston. Man. I don't know where we were. Um, and we took mushrooms and I somehow got. I don't know where everybody went, but I was alone in the woods Mm -hmm. and I saw this cute little inchworm Mm -hmm. and it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. He was Mm -hmm. bright green with the, he literally looked like a little cartoon and he was just, you know, we were, we literally hung out together for like two hours. I had the best time. We made best friends. I love that little guy. (laughs) This is the difference between you and me. I go into the woods with a little inchworm and you're in a movie theater. Yeah, but but I I saw expanded versions of that of that movie and vistas that weren't in, on the celluloid and felt like I opened up this world in the darkness. It was pretty amazing, and it was also hilarious. It was just like rib tickling. You want to hear my want to hear my dumbest mushroom story? No, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> I performed one year at a music festival called Bonnaroo. Bands and comedians, and, and you know Aziz Ansari was there, and and um. Uh, I think Zach Alfanakis was with us and just a whole bunch of people. So there was this big backstage area that like linked all that. There was like the comedy tent, the music tent. And so we're there all these days doing shows. And the last day um, Radiohead was performing 
And so we went out and got a big bag of mushrooms, like we'll take mushrooms half an hour before they start. And then we'll just go, we can just stand off stage and watch Radiohead while we're on shrooms. It'd be great. Um, so we take it, we're in the VIP area. We take our shrooms and there's all these couches and these big screen TVs that were showing the stage. So we sit down on the couch. We're waiting for the mushrooms to take effect and they're starting to creep up and it feels good. And then on the TV screen, because it's showing the stage, Radiohead comes on and we're like, nice Radiohead. So we just sit on this couch watching Radiohead on TV while the shrooms are, we just watched the whole, we had forgotten that we could have walked 400 feet and just been off stage watching Radiohead. <laughs> and then as they're doing their final song, I think they were ending on Paranoid Android. And then we realized, oh, wait, they're right. And we like got up and started heading toward the stage. And then they were walking finished, and they were walking. Like, so like <clears throat> Tom York and the whole band just walked by us. We're like, Good show, guys. We just watched you on TV, even though we're 400 feet away from you like idiots. So that's hilarious. Uh, kids, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Because you'll make friends with an inchworm and you'll miss Radiohead. Mm. You don't want that. You don't need that, man. All right. Um, thank you all for once again listening to an episode of Did You Get My Text? I've been Pat Oswalt. I have always been Meredith Salinger. And she always will be. And we will talk to you next time. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Pat Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free, and it helps us get to keep making the show. Mm-hmm.